Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? Welcome on board Unfiltered as the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. How could you not be romantic about baseball? This is one of those stories where we go through every single day and every week as this has progressed over the last few here in this month, saying, how are they here and how could this happen? And it'll be too late before we cherish the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. It is mind-boggling and amazing all at the same time. We'll get into that. Want to dig into it, what it means for the Philadelphia Phillies, and much, much more as always. You can get us and jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution 24-7, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. If you're watching or listening live on Twitter or on YouTube, where you can get my YouTube channel, or excuse me, on X uh, or on YouTube, you can get my YouTube channel information over in the X bio. And as always, we are presented by our good friends at Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, the latest odds. Lines of matchup reports, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, and more. They remain the number one fastest and easiest way to get your wagers, including all your betting and your favorite casino and card games, all available right now from your phone. Get over to the website today, use your mobile device, and sign up. Get in on all the action, and remember to use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. Get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Bet Online where the game starts. We'll get started here. You can jump into the chat, talk about whatever you want as we do this live. Obviously, if you're listening on the podcast, go ahead and do so afterwards. Lot to get to. I want to start with the fact that this is as amazing a story as it seems to be. You look at this team, 84 wins during the course of the season, 32 and 39 in the second half, a nine-game losing streak. Our World Series combatants, and I want to give you the exact totals, in 2021, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks were a combined 112 and 212, which means baseball is bleeping off the charts crazy. Something we've known, we've known forever, but it's nuts. Maybe there's some karma. I happen to be wearing a hat that is for my son's baseball team, who is on the Little League version of the Diamondbacks here in Georgia where I live. I don't know if that has something to do with it, but he told me before the game, and I put this out and posted it, he said, before he went to bed, he said, Dad, the Phillies have no chance. It was supposed to be the Diamondbacks who had no chance. It was the Phillies who were up 2 to nothing in this series. It was the Phillies who had not lost a game in six at home before the first one that they dropped in this set. It was the Phillies who were up with facing two games of 3-2 to two at home in a building nobody wanted to play in, in a building nobody was going to beat them, in as good an environment as you have, probably the best one we have right now at Citizens Bank Ballpark in a postseason. The one nobody wanted any part of as a road team. And then here come the Arizona Diamondbacks, the little engines that could, where you've got, and God bless you, Mad Dog, people retiring. You've got, you know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, pet heads are falling off, and I just gave you a bunch of different references which all say the same thing, that no one thought this team was worth a lick. No one thought they belonged here, and maybe that's why they got here. I had the pleasure of having Tori Lovello on my show when I was over at SiriusXM weekly for years, and I remember having him on the show during that 2021 season. I remember how bad it was. And 
how rough it was going through those interviews and those conversations with Corey. And every week having conversations with the producers behind the scenes of how are we going to make this palatable for him? We know it's a weekly spot. We know we pay, you know, gets paid. I mean, this is, you know, these are the you know, managerial hits that you do in radio. But contracted or not, as much as we love him and we do, how could we sit there every week, week after week, asking him these questions when we know that he wants nothing to do with rehashing the last seven days of horrifying action on a field that he has to then somehow worry about his own job security for with a roster that wasn't healthy enough or nearly good enough. We had a joke, and it wasn't behind his back, but with Tori Lovello on the show, running during the season, if you listen to my show over at SM that year, where every time he would come on in the interview, I promised I would come up with a different way to surprise him in the intro to make him laugh because I promised him that I would somehow make him feel better after our 15, 20 minutes than he was feeling before. That's how bad it was for Tori Lovello and the Arizona Diamondbacks two years ago. That is how desperate that team was two years ago. But they stuck with him. And he and Mike Hazen in that bond. And congrats to the two of them and what they've done with this franchise. And the person that Tori Lovello is, and one of the best people I've ever met in the game, and you could get rousing endorsements about from anybody who's ever met him, let alone knows him. And certainly plenty who know him way better than I do. But as good a sincere human being as you're ever going to meet, they stuck with him. The team stuck with him. The kids believe in him. He believes in them. And it is literally like we're watching Major League where we got a mannequin in the back where you're saying, you know, why not us? To hell with what anybody thought. Because like that, there were a lot of people sitting there looking at this roster who weren't paying attention until they got to the postseason. Dodger fans who were then watching that series who were sitting there and, and saying, you know, how is it possible that we could lose to that team? Philly fans who are saying, now is it possible? How could we lose to that team? How could we drop two at home when we had this in our lap and flop? And I don't care if you want to spell that, spell that P-H or you want to do it F-L-P. The Phillies absolutely flopped. Up three to two with two home games. That's a disaster. Take nothing away from the Diamondbacks. But on the Phillies side, that's atrocious. Absolutely. They'll be the first to tell you that because of how this series was laid up for them. And they do have more talent, and they are a deeper team. But it wasn't about that. It was about the Diamondbacks who individually, right, the whole sum of the parts thing. Individually, they may not jump off the page at you outside of Corbin Carroll, outside of Zach Gallen, outside of Merrill Kelly. Now certainly you could put Ginkle in there too, among a couple others. But they're not going to tell Marte, my gosh, how about him? The most consecutive games to open up a streak of a hitting streak in a postseason, 16 in a row that we've ever seen. And got a huge knock and ends up being in a big spot to go get an insurance run late in this game. But you may not have a bunch of big-time names that everybody knows, but as a group, the sum of the parts, they are a team that belongs here because they've earned it. Because they knocked off no slouches in Milwaukee, in L.A., one of our 100 games, and in the Phillies, who look like the best team on earth, and you can include the Rangers and Astros in that, just about a few days ago. And knocked them off in their building 
in game six and game seven with everything against them. And honestly, if you take out single-handedly what Zach Wheeler did, that's in game one, that's in game five, and that's tonight on the mound when he came in this game where he was brilliant as well and gave Wheels all the credit in the world. But when you take away individually what Zach Wheeler did, really, they annihilated most of the other Phillies the rest of this series, if we're being fair. It wasn't even a match. And the way, not the way everybody thought, Whereas a mismatch and we're going to sit there and be overwhelmed by the Phillies. And I thought they'd be overwhelmed by the Phillies. I said on this podcast, it'd be a five-game series. Oh, Astros and Rangers going seven, even though I had Houston. They said they're going seven. That's tight. Not this one here. Little engines that could. Let's pat you on the back. Congratulations, Arizona, for getting here. You got no shot. I'll go home. And we all thought that. And we were all wrong. Because you take Wheeler out of the equation and you look at the other games that he didn't pitch and you look at every situation where he wasn't in it and you had a mismatch the other way in this series where the Diamondbacks took control in every big spot they had to. They were better in late innings. They were better on the mound and at the plate in late innings in big spots. They were better at, at getting runs home without the home run, which clearly the Phillies cannot do. For all Nick Castellanos did in the last round, one of the big spots in this game, you get a fourth inning where Suarez, by the way, Ranger Suarez came into this game and it's all gets forgotten because they lost. <coughs> Excuse me. Ranger, Ranger Suarez came into this game with 26 innings, right? 28 uh, two-thirds innings in a postseason. 3-0, 0.94 ERA, 0.84 whip, 26 strikeouts. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He was great tonight. He was great in this game in the four innings he's there. But here's Cassianos in a big spot in the fourth inning, coming in one for his last 21. You got first and third, and he strikes out. Those are the kind of spots where the Phillies couldn't come through. It was Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks stealing bases. It was Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks finding extra ways to matriculate and get home without a Bohm homer or Schwarber's five in the series. <coughs> Excuse me, battling a cold. But they couldn't do it. Even the Corbin Carroll at bat, where he has the sack fly to drive in that run after Marte gets that streak to 16 in that seventh inning, before Wheeler comes in and Kays Moreno to end it and get out of it. Even if you go back to that off of Hoffman, I believe it was. That's a situational spot where Corbin Carroll knew what the job was and got the job done. That's good fundamental baseball. That's good coaching. That's good managing. And that is what you're supposed to do. And that is how you win in the margins when you don't have as good a team. In, in the situation where you are outmatched in terms of star power, that is how you win these kind of games because you are able to fundamentally find a way to get outs when you need and to score runs when you need. And the Philadelphia Phillies absolutely could not score worth a lick without hitting home runs. In that is clearly a big issue, and we saw it play out this week. Saw it last year in the postseason, too. But for as good as Suarez was at the beginning of the game and everything Wheeler gave them, they couldn't score. But it comes down to it, they couldn't score. Harper got a good pitch to hit. I thought he'd be the difference in the game. Got a good pitch to hit. Tying runs on base. Wasn't able to get it done. Corbin Carroll becomes the first player in the history of Major League Baseball Game 7 to have three hits and two stolen bases. 
He's the second youngest player, Ty Cobb being the youngest, in the history of baseball. And I always say this in covering baseball for as many years as I have. When you say the history of other sports, it's a big deal. When you say in the history of baseball, it, it takes you back and you take a step back because of what that means. Carroll, the first player in the history of baseball in a game seven with three hits and two stolen bases and the second youngest player to ever have three hits and two steals in a postseason game. I mean, and, and again, the sack fly, which is the at-bat nobody's going to think about, that spot for that kid knowing what he had to do and getting that ball in the air and finding a way to bring in that run, that's what winning is all about. Opportunity in the seventh inning. Here comes, you know, Pache as a pinch hitter. He walks. Schwarber draws a walk. Got two runners on. And then Kevin Ginkle with that filthy slider. I mean, you got to be kidding me. You want to talk about becoming a star out of a bullpen. And we saw this. Now, look, I know we talked about Brian Abreu for other reasons over the last couple of weeks. But we looked at Abreu and watched him become a star in the postseason, watching him dominate as a young kid. I go back to many, many years ago watching K-Rod and, and so many, so many others in between. Guys who got opportunities and... We saw them elevate to a new level. Because, look, Ginkle's numbers weren't blowing you away during the regular season. But did you see that slider was unhittable? I mean, you're talking about straight filth coming out of that guy's arm. No chance. Comes in in the seventh, shuts him down, and then he struck out the side in the eighth. That's the most important spot in this game. Got everything you could have asked for and more from a kid in Font who came up the nine-strikeout performance. Ginkle comes in and just dominates, and then Seawall closes it out. You got Philly fans booing at the end of the eighth inning. Because they understand and they know. And look, this is not just some rhetoric or some talk radio BS. Because you have to be fair. The Phillies fell on their face. It is not easy to get here, even though the Phillies got here back-to-back -back years. On the doorstep, chance to go to another World Series. That is not an easy thing to do. And when you get sitting there and you come in red hot, get a 2 nothing lead in a series, you got a team that, that believe, rides on belief and you got them questioning themselves. No matter who they are, no matter how much fortitude they have, you got a team that rides on belief, questioning themselves, and you couldn't put them away. Then Wheeler gets the performance, you go up 3-2, you got to bring them to your house, you got them questioning themselves again, and you can't put them away again. After the Alec, Alec Thomas home run in the pool, you were able to bounce back because Wheeler gave you all that momentum and you got it back. But then to have a 3-2 lead and go home and do nothing with it is a disgrace. And they know it. I mean, it's a total flop. They couldn't get anything done offensively in the last couple of days. Nobody could do anything. You thought with the Bohm homer, okay, maybe now these guys are woken up. But he struck out after that twice, didn't do anything. And Rob Thompson did not want to change his lineup, clearly. I, every Philly fan talking about that. I'm not a Philly fan. I talk about it, too. It's, at some point, you got to adjust and look at what you're looking at. And I don't know what he was looking at. Castellanos ended up one for his last 23 in this series. I mean, he was, ter he was terrible. Stott couldn't get it done in big spots. Trey Turner had issues in big spots. The Kyle Schwarber home runs.
Who the hell did anything offensively for the Phillies in this series? No one. And you go home. If you're a Philly fan, you are sitting there right now saying, wow, Ranger Suarez, this guy's a dude. And it'll be an all-time dude for a Philly fan because you're always going to remember the kind of stuff that he's done over the last three, four years. And man, Zach Wheeler is worth everything that he's got and every weight in gold and, and is a stud. And beyond that, what do you got offensively in this series? But the Diamondbacks, between those margins and those spots where they needed to make a defensive play or where they needed to bring in a run without the use of a homer, they were the team that was able to do that. And the Phillies were not. So who's the better team? Well, look, during the regular season, it was a six-game difference. When you look at the star power, no, Corbin Carroll, not Bryce Harper. And look, Zach Allen, not, not Zach Wheeler. He's not. And the Phillies have more star power. And the Phillies certainly have more street cred and more pedigree and all of that. But which team played better when they needed to win the biggest spots in this series? Which team was more resilient down late in games? Which team was able to get big outs late in games? Which team was able to get runners in from third with less than two outs when they had to do it? Or put a ball on the ground and get a runner over when they had to do it? Which team ran the bases better? Which team played better defense? The answer to every single damn question I just asked is Arizona. Every question I just asked in this series, the, the answer is Arizona. Every question in the week before that, L.A. or Arizona, the answer is Arizona. Before that, Milwaukee or Arizona, it's Arizona. So now what? They're going to go beat the Rangers in six games. I'm going to say I'm picking them to do that because guess what? I'm going to pick against them again, and I think they're going home in five games, maybe four. Because after what I watched in Texas, and the way that Evaldi and Montgomery are pitching right now, and Scherzer maybe even getting a little bit more confidence, I don't think there's any way that team is going to lose. But the Diamondbacks have us right where they want us again. Because they have outplayed all the teams they have played. This is not an accident. This is not luck. Yes, it's a surprise. Yes, it's amazing. And no, look, you go look at the lineup and what it's going to look like for game one against Savaldi, right? Go look at that lineup when it comes out Friday. Go write it down in your mind. Now, I've covered baseball 20 years. And for a long time, I had to do a radio show five days a week, have it in all 30 teams, and probably could have put every single player on the roster in the stats they belong on a depth chart for most of that 12 or 13 years, almost at 100% level for all 30 teams. Because it's a psychosis you have when you do that, and that's part of the job. But do you know how many people in the media covering this sport, how many people in the media covering sports in general, how many fans who think they're diehards, that when you go look at that lineup for game one and you go write it down, that if you would have gone and rewind gone back to the middle, I didn't even say beginning of the year, when the Diamondbacks were even playing well. If at the All-Star break, you surveyed 100 media members that cover baseball, and you asked them, here are the positions, here's the batting order, give me the names and tell me who the hell's going in there. They're getting four out of nine. And I mean people who are your beat writers who cover this for a living. No one was paying attention to the Diamondbacks. Nobody. Absolutely no one. 
So, you know, whether or not, and, and look, I used to work with him. I, I, you know, adore and grew up, I mean, idolizing what he did in the city I grew up. And Chris obviously not going to retire, clearly. And he did a really good job, you know, marketing and, and creating something out of nothing, which is, is part of why he's made the career for himself that he's made. But things like that are what are, are driving the Diamondbacks to be the way that they are. And that's what they'll take into a series in Texas that they have no business being in. Because if you thought talent-wise they were at match in the Philly series, what the hell is the word you're going to use for the difference between their roster and Texas? Their lineup and Texas. Yeah, I, I love what Gabby Moreno's done. It's a great story. And he's got a kid with a bright future. And I think Corbin Carroll's a star. Didn't Tommy Pham hit third in this playoffs in a game or two? I mean, nobody would have put, nobody could have picked this. No one. And I'm not going to sit and do a preview yet. I'll do it in a couple of days. They're going to need Gallon and Merrill Kelly to be brilliant, Fott to continue on this run, Ginkle and Seawall to be unhittable, and they're going to need someone to help Carroll and Marino offensively in that lineup drive in runs when Marte and company get on base. They're going to need the occasional, you know, home run from somebody you don't expect. They're going to need Texas to not pitch as well as they've pitched. And they're going to need some help in that manner. Because if Evaldi, Montgomery, and company pitch the way they've been pitching, and Scherzer hasn't even been good yet, if he somehow is, they're in a lot of trouble. Or they're going to need to hope Rosas Chapman pitches in every game, which I don't think is going to happen either. So I don't know how the hell they're going to beat Texas. I don't. But they got us right where they want us. It's like my, my son said to me tonight when I asked him because he's on the Diamondbacks and this is the hat that I've been wearing every day. Not because I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks, but I guess bring karma accidentally. He said, no, no, I play for the Diamondbacks. The Phillies have no chance. That's what he said. So go place your bets, people. He don't think the Rangers have a chance either. I mean, 16 games in a row to open a career, the largest mark we've ever seen, could tell Marte. Corbin Carroll, the first player in the history of baseball in a game seven. Three hits, two steals. Second youngest player in a postseason game in the history of the sport to ever do that. The only one younger, Ty Cobb. The Diamondbacks and the Rangers were 112 and 212. 112 wins, 212 losses two years ago. Not 10 years ago, not seven years ago, two seasons ago. Couple things there. One, if you root for a team that is ultra shitty right now, feel good. Because it can go back and forth. I know it. I'm a Met fan. They won 100 games last year. And even then flopped at the end. And this year was a train wreck. Who the hell knows what's next? Two years ago. Two. Both teams lost 100 games. Combined, they lost 212 games. And now the Rangers and the Diamondbacks are in a World Series. Now, I don't think this is going to blow the roof of any of the ratings. And I no longer have to worry about that, but I, I know what that's like because obviously those networks, and I was with one, they care about that stuff. But the Diamondbacks, because of this little engine that could, because it's so crazy, are going to have a lot of rooting for them. As much as everybody loves Bruce Bochy, and who doesn't, 
And as much as the Rangers are a fun team to watch, and they are, and they've got likable personalities on that team, and they do. This Diamondback team is a story. I posted it during the game tonight, and I mean it. I watch them, and they're like the Mighty Ducks. Like, I'm waiting for Conway and Goldberg and Banks. It is like a Disney team of upstarts, like watching Little Giants. And maybe that's unfair. But that, that it, it, it is a how are they here, but that's what makes this story great. That's why you got to inject it into your veins, because this is why baseball and sports are bleeping unfreaking believable Because you never know what is coming next. You never know when the game you go to... <laughs> I, on September 1993, was asked by my father at 11 o'clock in the morning for a 1 o'clock game. He's a Yankee fan. I'm not. Hey, want to go to Yankee Stadium? He's pretty much bored. Okay, nice day outside. I got in the car. It was Jim Abbott's no. You you never, and I, I wrote my college essay about that no-hitter entitled The First Time I Saw My Father Cry. And, and got into college, maybe partially based on that. You never know as a sports fan when that moment is going to be. You never know when you root for a team that is a garbage forever that's going to give you that one run that you'll remember for the rest of your damn life. That is why we are so lucky to have sports and to have this game. That is what makes it so amazing. That is what makes baseball so romanticized and so worth the attention and the investment and the time and everything that we throw and vault into every day here because we can't get enough. These are the stories you do it for. So hide the kids. Sorry for the language, but enjoy the shit out of it. Please. And we'll see you next time on Unfiltered, as always, brought to you by our good friends, Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.